Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning, and uh, I'm afraid I had to turn down that uh, very nice uh, song by George Talek uh, called West Papua Merdeka, but um, we were running out of time, so um, I had to finish it, so maybe um, so that breakfast can put it on again next uh, next week to have it uh, so you can hear it in full. So thanks for so that breakfast for another very interesting uh, program. I was enjoying that interview about Uber and the whole economic model. But anyway, my name is Pierre Morrow, and I'll, uh, I'm just by myself here. Giselle's having a break for this week. And, um, of course, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, the weekly program of Australia-Asia Workerlings on labour issues in and around the Asia-Pacific region on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. And, of course, if you want to get in contact with us, you can go to our Facebook page. We're on Twitter and also on our website, www.aawl.org.au. They're probably the best ways to contact us these days. And um, on today's program, we'll have the usual roundup of uh, of news from the region. But um, in the second half of the program, I'll bring you an interview that I did um, a few days uh, early this week with uh, Wilson Fortaleza, who's a member of the Executive Committee of the Labour Party of the Philippines and a party spokesperson about the... Uh, Issues facing labour organisers in the Philippines, and they're, they're quite grave. And um, I've uh, learnt a, a new a new word uh, or new two words uh, called red red tagging uh, in the in the Philippines. And uh, so, as some people and as I thought, that doesn't sound very good to tag someone as red, and it certainly doesn't. And uh, you'll be able to hear why red tagging is uh, really um, uh, a threat to the life of. All all these labour organisers in the Philippines. But that will be in the second half of the program. But we'll go to um, to uh, some of the news items for the, the day. I've got uh, seven of them. So the first one comes from uh, South Korea, where um, this week uh, we have seen major strikes and action by, uh, by workers at all the General Motors plants and factories in South Korea. The main demands of the workers are for uh, precarious workers to be reinstated and to be made permanent, for job security and long-term employment, for better wages and profit sharing, and um, for General Motors Korea to honour the existing collective agreement. Now, these um, strikes uh, are the result of a global move by General Motors to restructure its production capabilities around the world by cutting wages and intensifying the rate of work that its workers um, are forced to do. 
Um, now, given this, uh, General Motors um, auto workers are also on strike currently um, in the in the US. Um, while the Maruti Suzuki uh, Worker Support Group sent solidarity message to these striking workers, so it's it's really a, a perfect case uh, to show how the economy is now globalized, how these companies are now globalized, and we as workers and as unions, it's uh, it's really almost pointless to fight these uh, these giants on a on a national arena, and um, we've really um, got to start not only only just saying international solidarity, but actually saying, well, how do we organize at a global level? Because otherwise these companies will just pit one group of workers against the, the next. So um, stay tuned and we'll see how we, um, we go. The, um, the next item, we jump to India, where this week over half a million coal mining workers across India went on a 24-hour strike to protest the government's plan to privatise its coal industry that is controlled by the Coal India Limited. The participation in the strike was estimated to be 98% of the workforce. Um, workers are afraid that a private company will strip assets from the uh, Coal India Limited and then attack workers' wages and conditions as well as cutting the workforce, which is obviously um, a, um, a framework, a plan that has been used uh, many times before all over the world. So uh, I think the workers' fears are totally justified. The unions um, said that this one-day stoppage was only a token strike to warn the government not to proceed any further or face massive prolonged industrial action. So um, we'll keep an eye to see how that dispute um, um, develops. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. We now go to Indonesia, where this week saw hundreds of thousands of people take to the streets all across Indonesia under the banner of uh, reform. Now, while the protests seem to have been sparked by the proposed introduction of a new criminal code that includes harsh social policies like the banning of premarital sex, the the scope and the depth uh, of these protests clearly shows there is a deep groundswell of dissatisfaction in Indonesia. And uh, these protests actually had a lot of demands. And some of these demands of the protest movement included the repeal of the proposed criminal code as well as a raft of of other uh, new bills that the new administration is trying to bring in. The defence of the current anti-corruption commission um, against the further militarisation of society, the respect for human rights and the right to protest, um, stopping the militarisation of West Papua, as well as a call to stop the forest fires in the forested areas of Indonesia. 
So quite clearly, it's uh, it's really an upsurge of, of of anger at the um, at the corruption and the inequalities that are present in Indonesia. So it'll be interesting to see how this movement develops. And um, now we go back to India, where um, thousands of Angan Wanadi women, uh, women workers, these we've talked about a lot in the last few years about these workers, their health and welfare workers, often in rural areas. In the, in the eastern Indian state of Jakan, have been on strike for over six weeks. A number of them are also on a prolonged hunger strike. The workers are demanding that they be reckless, reclassified as government workers, have a pay increase and access to better social security entitlements. On Tuesday of this um, week, on uh, September 24th, as they were marching down the street of the capital city of Ranchi, they were attacked by baton-wielding police. The protest is continuing and as is part of, a, of the mass struggle by Angan Wanadi work, women workers over the last few years for better pay uh, conditions and also regular contracts. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Even though um, a lot of the um, news items brought to you were about um, strikes and workers organising, there's always, unfortunately, other times where we get um, uh, repressed and uh, the next two stories are, uh, are such ones so we go to Palestine where this week Israeli police arrested the Jerusalem Affairs Minister Fadi al-Hadami of the Palestinian Authority for the crime of conducting political activity in Israel-occupied East Jerusalem. So that's right, um, even though he's a politician, he's not uh, supposed to be conducting political activities. Um, This is not the first time that al-Hadami has been arrested by Israeli authorities, and uh, Palestinians see this as part of a routine campaign of uh, harassment in an effort to suffocate any kind of official Palestinian presence of uh, in East Jerusalem, and, and that's in view of then annexing the whole city. Al-Hadami will now join many thousands of other Palestinians that are in Israeli jails, many of whom, as we've brought you uh, many times before, are under administrative orders only, i.e. they're not charged with or let alone guilty of any crime but are still in jail. Jails are really becoming a graveyard for Palestinian activists with the recent death of Bassam Sayyeh being the 221st Palestinian prisoner who has died in Israeli occupation prisons. Um, And I think there's over 7,000 or maybe 8,000 Palestinian uh, prisoners held in um, Israeli jails. And um, this week um, we received reports um, from uh, from China, from uh, Changsha, the capital of the central Chinese province of Hunan, of the ongoing detention of two well-known anti-discrimination activists, uh, Cheng Wan and two of his colleagues, Liu Dazi and Wu Gejiangzhong. They have been held in comunicado at the Hunan Provincial State Security 
uh, department detention centre for around two months. The three who worked for the non-governmental organisation called Changsha Funeng were detained on the 22nd of July and formally charged with subversion of state power a few days later. Then they have not been allowed to see their lawyers. Cheng Yuan's wife, uh, Shi Mingli, and older brother Cheng Hao have both been harassed and threatened by the police after they demanded information about the case and sought to publicise the arrests. The Changsha Three, as they are now known, are the latest civil society activists to be detained in a widening crackdown on groups and individuals who support and offer advice to ordinary workers over the last um, decade or so. So in other words, they've been put in jail because they were supporting workers uh, at their workplace or um, working class people in their environment and giving them legal advice. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Our last news story is based here in Australia, where in the week that the federal government celebrated its success of increasing the number of backpackers in coming to Australia as a boon for regional agricultural sector, a new social media site has begun to publicise stories of exploitation of backpackers working on farms in regional areas. These workers recount stories of being paid as little as $4 an hour, working in unsafe and gruelling conditions, as well as reports of sexual abuse with workers desperate to avoid deportation. The backpackers need to complete 88 days of work in regional areas to be eligible for a second year visa. The Australian government is determined to expand this visa program as less and less Australian residents are prepared to work in regional areas because of the substandard conditions offered. That's uh, the end of the news roundup. We'll have a quick uh, community announcement and then we'll be back with the interview with uh, Wilson for Taleza on the conditions for labour organisers in the Philippines. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurang Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurang country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The campaign to protect country is led by Japurang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japurang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. It's just um, quarter past nine o'clock and you're listening on to Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station 3CR Radio and as I mentioned at the start of the program this week I uh, caught up with Wilson Fortaleza who is a uh, member of the executive committee and a spokesperson for the Labour Party of the Philippines 
Three years ago, President Duterte came to power promising lots of things to lots of people, including making sure that uh, workers will have secure jobs and that minimum wages were going to increase. But after three years, the reality seems to be quite different. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, he has promised to end the problems of contractualization or what we call here as the endo or end of contract system of employment here in the Philippines where temporary jobs are the general rule rather than regular jobs. So he promised then during his campaign, you know, during the campaign period before he assumes the presidency that the moment he becomes the president, uh, contractualization will stop. And that was three years ago. And we have worked and we have campaigned strongly for the passage of the Security of Tenure Bill during the last three years. But unfortunately, in the final stage of this uh, struggle, several versions, the, the, the versions of the lower house in Congress and the Senate version were, were, were passed. And when it came to the office of the president for signature to become a law, then the president exercise his power to veto the enacted uh, how uh, enacted versions of the two houses of the Congress in the Philippines. So technically, there was no law that was passed, and therefore that was the end of the promise of the president, the promise of ending contractualization during his first hours or first days of the presidency. Three years, and the promise has been fulfilled. The same true, you know, it's raining here, the same true is uh, his promise to, to end the regionalization or uh, the regionalization of wages or what we call here as provincial rate. You know, we have, no, we have no national standard of wages in the Philippines. We have more than 300 wage standards in the Philippines according to regions. So during the campaign, he also promised to end provincial rates or regional rates by establishing a national minimum wage. There was no movement for that kind of program proposal from the executive department from the office of the president. And until now, there was no concrete effort to pass a legislation or to put a stop to that regionalization of wages in the Philippines. So two major promises of the Duterte administration for workers have never been, have never been fulfilled during the last three years. That must be very hard for a lot of workers because certainly all around the world the issue of uh, contractualization or precarious work and uh, stagnant wages are, are, are big issues for all workers. But of course in the Philippines uh, a very specific issue or campaign of the pro president has been his war on drugs which... Um, has really led to tens of thousands of, of people being uh, killed over these three years. It, it must be a, a massive issue for Philippine workers and their families. Yes, and then of course the, the, the Australian people, the Australian workers or the workers in our region or around the world must know for the fact that this war on drugs, we believe, is a parasitical, it's a fake war. Because what uh, those who are who were killed no, during the, uh, during the first uh, three years of the Duterte administration, and the numbers are bigger. The numbers are very controversial numbers because the the, the state or the government 
has their own numbers. The media have their own numbers. The human rights community have our own numbers. So whether it is in in hundreds or in thousands or in few thousands or in tens of thousands, then the issue is uh, the war on drugs has already taken a major uh, toll on the poor people and poor communities because the people who were victims of this war, uh, drug-related war are poor people, people in workers' communities, people in slums, people in slum areas. And those who are known to be big-time drug dealers, big-time drug manufacturers, big-time drug smugglers are never are never punished by this fake war on drugs. So this is re- this war on drugs is really a war against the poor. It's not a war against the big-time drug lords, local and international. This war on drugs was also the main the main instrument being used by the administration to auto create the environment of fear and impunity, not only against the drug dependents, not only against the drug addicts or the drug pushers, but also against the Filipino people. So it created environment of very, very deep fear among the people. Because once you once you cross over cross with the policies of the president, you may be targeted either not just as an opposition, but also as a supporter or protector of this drug syndicate in the country. So that's how this war on drugs can send into a major war against the whole of the Filipino people. You've described uh, very well the, the kind of uh, terror that uh, his campaign has unleashed because, as uh, some listeners would know, because we've covered this before, there are a whole range of uh, right-wing militias, paramilitary militias, who act with total impunity, killing people whether in the night or even in broad daylight. So the question really is, what impact has this had on workers and your ability to organise? Because we know that a number of organisers have been um, killed in this time. Yes, yes. It's somewhat related. The culture of impunity or the environment of impunity where security forces have become more emboldened to take shortcuts to undermine due process. It's also the same policy that trade union organizing that workers are also facing uh, in their work you know, as, as an organizer of trade union. Like, for instance, many several strikes have already been, several strikes in the southern part of Mindanao where martial law is still uh, officially declared. You know, that's the southern part of the region in the, Minda, in the Philippines. The martial law policy is still, is still going. So any activity related to trade union organizing, related to trade union actions, is somehow limited to to some degree of limitations because argument is that we are still in the state of martial law and therefore any other activities are prohibited in this kind of area. So there is ongoing red tagging. Have you heard of that? We haven't heard that uh, that term. Is that um, in terms of, of the people's politics? Is it yeah, like a red yeah. scare? Yeah, it's a red scare. It's what the old name for it, Macartism. So it's, it's a red scare tactic. A red tagging is applied both to trade unions, to any other organizations identified to the left, more particularly with the Communist Party of the Philippines. 
So if you are into trade union, if you are into in trade union organizing, no matter who you are, as long as you are organizing union, you can always be tagged as either part or an influence or are working with the Communist Party of the Philippines with the state, the Philippine state, particularly the Philippine government right now under Duterte, is trying to work to be declared as a terrorist organization. So this red tagging activities, red tagging is it, in particular, the red tagging activities of the military involved are going into the union office, getting all the list of the trade union members, getting all the officers of trade union organization, taking their pictures, and telling them to disaffiliate with uh, trade union affiliated with Ilusang Mayu Uno, or the May 1st movement in the Philippines, which is identified to the front of the Communist Party. Unfortunately, not organizing work is being done by the KMU. Unfortunately, many, many other organizations are doing trade union work in many areas that are not identified with the Communist Party of the Philippines. But because there was an official order to red tag so many organizations, so it has a universal order to monitor and in fact to influence the outcome of any trade union activity like disaffiliating, a union disaffiliating with the Kilusang Mariuno because they were told by the military if they, if they don't disaffiliate, something will happen to them and to their leaders. And there are already unions who made disaffiliated, who indeed have disaffiliated with KMU because of this red tagging. So this is a very concrete manifestation of a deteriorating human rights condition in the Philippines involving trade union work. And that's aside from the extrajudicial feelings that is happening in many parts of the country, including our own union organizers. So if we combine all these uh, all these policies, red tagging and extrajudicial feelings, then we can say that there really, really is a big problem problem here in the Philippines. There really, really is a big concern here for the human rights situation among trade union and, and human rights defenders working within the trade union and within other sectors, like in the mining industry. You've really painted uh, a very good picture of the horrible and terrible situation that you and your comrades and most of the working class in the Philippines finds itself in. So as a final question, where to from, from here? Because there's been a lot of campaigning against these killings, against this repression. So where do we go as a class to, to fight against, against this? Yeah, I think that the importance of international solidarity very yeah, yeah today in the Philippine context and even in the global context. The importance of international solidarity, international solidarity campaign is what is really needed and in the region. Because I know that it's not only in the Philippines that trade union repression is happening. No, I think the Philippine context right now, as far as trade union organizing is concerned, is more more coordinated and a more uh, unity among the work, unity among the workers groups in the Philippines in defense of the trade union rights and in defense of human rights. But another aspect, another important thing is that I think we cannot just do it alone. 
without the solidarity of our brother and sister around the world, including the Australian workers, because what's happening is really is, I think, the same things that are happening in countries that are ruled by authoritarian regimes or the right of right-wing politics, but the Philippine situation is not so far as regards the condition of the working class in many who are always are ruled by dictators or by different regimes. So I think international solidarity is very important. Organizing is uh, organized unions should not be compromised and fighting for defending human rights defenders and fighting for human rights I think assumes a very important right in terms of trade union campaign. Thank you very much, uh, Wilson, for that, and we certainly wish you all the very best. Uh, stay safe, and more importantly, keep up the, the good fight. we with you, and we'll take up the fight on our side as well. Thank you very much, Pierre, and to the AAWL family. Thank you very much for your continued monitoring the situation, as well as your continued solidarity work with the Filipino workers. Thank you very much. Three CR Community Radio, eight five five AM. That was an interview with uh, Wilson Fortaleza from the Labour Party of the Philippines about the situation for workers and labour organisers in the Philippines. And uh, apologies for that background uh, heavy rain, but uh, I think there was a monsoon or shower there. But hopefully um, you still got what he was saying. Very serious and uh, dangerous situation for labour activists in, in in the Philippines. But that's all the time that we have for you today. We'll be back. Uh, next week with another program of Asia Pacific Currents uh, um, brought you by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station 3CR Radio that's all from me Pierre Morrow and um, stay tuned for the Palestine Remembered <laughs>